WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 31, all about the Palantir. Chapter 11, book 3 of The Two Towers, being the 31st part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me and see. And psych, got you again. It's Mary Clay from the future. If you don't already know, this episode is a two-parter. So if you haven't listened to the first part, I highly recommend going back and listening to last week's episode. And then you can listen to this episode. Of course, you can, honestly, you can do whatever you want. It's your life. I'm not going to tell you how to live it. Just a suggestion that might increase your enjoyment of this podcast. And also just a reminder that this is still audio from the fun times when my computer decided to not. So just keep that in mind. If you hear some some weird editing or weird audio being dubbed over or whatever, that I'm just trying my best. Just like all of us in life, I'm trying my best here. So without further ado, here is the rest of the Palantir with Cassandra and Norman of the Lord of the Rings Minute podcast. Enjoy! So now Gandalf and Pippin are off on their own little adventure. And of course, they are riding Shadowfax. Who else? And this is where Tolkien goes off into like, like I said earlier, his eighth billion rant about how beautiful and magical and wonderful Shadowfax is. He's the prettiest horse. He's the fastest horse. (laughs) Yep, yep. Um, I like this note. You do not ride Shadowfax. He is willing to carry you or not. If he is willing, that is enough. (laughs) I wrote that down too. (laughs) Like, oh my God. He's like a weird hipster horse. (laughs) He is the lord of all horses. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess so. I just, Shadowfax to me is like some cool, it's like the horse equivalent of a cool underground bar that you have to know the (laughs) password to get into because all the other bars are too mainstream. Like, oh, you you don't ride Shadowfax. He has to let you ride him. Like, haven't, haven't you heard? You know, it, weirdly, I think this idea of, like, the untamable horse that chooses its rider is actually incredibly common in Western fiction. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I bet it's really common nowadays because of Tolkien and because of, of this and Shadow Yeah, probably. Because some of that is part of, like, Black Beauty, too, right? Oh my god, I haven't read that book since I was, like, nine. Um, <laughs> and then, like, Spirit? Spirit, yeah. True, And even true. there, isn't there even some of that in Hidalgo and, like, all kinds of other yeah. stuff? I feel like that's just the common trope whenever you're doing, like, a horse movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Of, yeah, like, this horse is untamable. <laughs> yeah, like, that, ha- that freaking happens in Felicity, the American Girl Doll books, where <laughs> there's, like... A horse, and there's a crazy old mangy man, and he's like, I can't tame her, and I'm gonna shoot her. And Felicity's like, I know how to tame her. And she sneaks out every night and goes to ride Penny. That's the name of the horse. I can't believe I remember all of this. Good lord. She just just crocodile dundees this horse. Oh my god. And she like goes out, she sneaks out every night and rides Penny around in an open field and like takes teaches her tricks and stuff and tames her. And then there's like one day where I swear 
the name of the like crazy old man is like Billy Nye or something. <laughs> That's um, so funny. I have to look this up. Uh, Felicity American Girl doll. Oh, what's his name? Man, those American Girl doll books. I remember just those being around when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a yeah. couple of them. This is insane. There's American Girl. There's, I mean, obviously there's a wiki for everything, but it's americangirl.fandom.com. Uh. <laughs> oh, oh, Jiggy Nye. That's his name. <laughs> Jiggy. Wow. Jiggy Nye. And then... Penny is described as a spirited horse. <laughs> That's so funny. Jiggy Nye. I knew it was. The- oh, my gosh. And he his, the picture that they have of him. He looks like a cantankerous old fool. Oh, it's so creepy. Oh, this is really terrifying. <laughs> now that I'm, I'm like, I read this as a child. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, that's like a very common thing, I feel like, and a lot, anything that like has a horse and a girl in it, it's always like, I can tame her. (laughs) (laughs) Except for in this case, the little 12-year-old girl is uh, an old wizard. Is an old man back from the dead. Yep. (laughs) But yeah, after, after we have the... Like, in case you forgot, Shadowfax is the greatest horse ever moment. Gandalf is quietly singing to himself, and he's singing this song uh, about the palin... I want to make sure... The palantiri of the old kings. And he says, The name meant that which looks far away. The palantiri came from beyond Westerness from Eldamar. The Noldor made them, but there was nothing that's... Oh, yeah. And so these are things that it sounded like there were many of them, and they were out in different parts of the land for everyone to communicate, And which sounds like a great plan well, to the, me. The poem says seven. Oh, seven. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, I know it's some, I couldn't, I was like, I know it's not nine, but I know it's one of those things where like, it's a particular number that's used a lot in literature. This Mm -hmm. paragraph also name drops uh, probably the most historically important elf in the background lore from the Silmarillion. Uh, Feanor. That's probably one of the most important, that's probably one of the most important names in the Legendarium. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just casually, just Gandalf, just, yeah, Feanor himself maybe made them. I know, does Pippin even know who that is? No. <laughs> there is no way. <laughs> I was gonna there say, I mean, just... I all the time joke that, like, the hobbits and I are the same because at any given time, we probably know the same exact amount of things. So. <laughs> there are, right. If there I don't four... know it, there's a good chance that Pippin doesn't know it. <laughs> There are four proper nouns in a row that I just don't imagine Pippin knows what means. Yeah. Westerness. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Eldamar, Noldor, because, Feanor. Yeah. My, so it's really bad, but my brain goes into whenever Tolkien will start listing a bunch of proper nouns in a row, my brain mm-hmm. is automatically like, I'm sure this isn't that important because it's probably him just <laughs> describing the landscape. And then, <laughs> then you should probably not read the Silmarillion so, because yeah. it is literally all like this. Yeah, oh, I yeah. know. That's why oh. I'm concerned about having to cover the Silmarillion because I don't, I'm like, <laughs> I need to do it in an entertaining way and I don't know what that's point how to do it in an entertaining way um so like the thing the thing about the greater legendarium and like 
all all the stuff that's in like Book of Unfinished Tales and Book of Lost Tales one and two and and the Silmarillion is that that's all stuff Tolkien wrote before writing this because he wanted to give this world a history before he wrote a story in it. Mm-hmm. I know because that's insane. <laughs> it's just like no We're... one writes like this, Tolkien. <laughs> I no one. To... Uh, Before or since. Let me find this. It was like, um, oh, so this is a comic. It says, Tolkien teaches intro to fiction. And (laughs) this is him talking. He says, who here knows the first thing an author must do when beginning their novel? And one of the students says, develop characters. And he says, no, the first step is constructing an entire elf language from scratch. Always. like yeah uh sure uh two of them in fact yeah no kidding (laughs) oh my gosh anyway but um but yeah so this is this is something of of times long ago Mm -hmm. and gandalf says that um he says, but there is nothing that Sauron cannot turn to evil uses alas for Saruman it was his downfall Uh, It was his downfall, as I now perceive. Perilous to us all are the devices of an art deeper than we possess ourselves. So this uh, is kind of where we get some answers and conclusions to what the heck happened with Saruman. Like, how did he fall so far? And it was a combination of he found the Palantir and was so obsessed with understanding it and expanding his knowledge and he looked too he looked much farther than he should have in it mm-hmm. and so it was kind of it was Saruman's own arrogance combined with Sauron's uh manipulation and evil powers of you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it says further and further abroad he gazed until he cast his gaze upon Barad Dur. Then he was caught. So that that's what happened. So it it is nice yeah. now that there's a little bit of like okay, one of the many loose threads has been tied here. <laughs> there's also um there's also a reference back to one of the most important places that they go through in Fellowship of the Ring in this uh, little section, too. But it's not called by the same name, although I think Aragorn gives you its proper name at the time, which is uh, Weathertop, Amonsul. Uh, oh, yeah, it does. You're right. Uh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it doesn't happen that often, but every now and then I'm like, yeah, that I know that place. Because it also um, housed one of these in, in the past. Yeah, um... It also also mentions minus Anor, minus Ithil. Yes. And obviously we know those have huge significance and everything has significance. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's um it's Min- Minas, right? Uh I think it's supposed to be Minas, yeah. Yeah. Because it's Minas Tirith and Minas Tirith, Minas Morgul, Minas Anor, Minas Ithil. Okay. I like that um I like that the fall of Saruman kind of mirrors the fall of Moria. Like, they they just got mm-hmm. too greedy. They, like, dug too greedily and they dug too deep. And, like, Saruman, like, was too greedy with knowledge. So he cast his gaze too far. And he's just like, oh, well, evil now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, a little bit before this in the chapter, Théoden says, uh, oft evil will shall evil mar. Is like a way he puts this mm. that when you when you put your mind to evil deeds, that evil will undo you. Is what that saying 
what that sentence means. Mm. I just like the way Theoden puts it. I'm so glad you interpreted that because I remember reading that sentence over and over, just trying to like force my brain to figure out what it meant. <laughs> so yeah, that makes sense. Also, I love Theoden, so I just thought I would point that out. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the one thing that your, your guy says. So. Yeah, that's like the, the one thing he says in this chapter. Because uh, Theoden and Treebeard are like two of my favorite characters in the story. Hmm. I'm trying to think at this point who are my favorites. I really like, Le- I think I just really like Legolas and Gimli. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really um, hard not to, especially in the books. I yeah. know, right? Um... Man, who are my favorites? I like. I want to say. Oh no, that's a lot. I would say my favorites are Galadriel and Legolas. Elves. I love them both. They're I great. love elves. The elves. The elves are the, the best. Elves. They're great. They're great. <laughs> did you like? Uh, did you enjoy Glorfindel while he was around? I know. Well, it's funny because I made I made a lot of fun of his name <laughs> because. He's so he's introduced and like he has long golden hair and it's like flowing in the wind and he's beautiful. And then he's like, hi, my name is Glorfindel. What an atrocious name. (laughs) uh, He was originally supposed to go with them in early in really early drafts of the story. Oh, I would have loved that. That He was the one that was going to fight the Balrog and fall in like the earliest draft. Oh, cool. Interesting. I love hearing stuff like that. Like how, um. J.K. Rowling originally considered killing off um, either Hagrid or Arthur Weasley, mm-hmm. and then she was like, "I can't do that to Harry. That's that's too." <laughs> no, <laughs> instead, I'll kill one of the twins. <laughs> that makes it better. Yeah, instead, <laughs> let me kill one of the. Br- yeah, let me let me kill one of the right? most loved Weasley children, but I'll leave Percy alive. <laughs> uh, Just kill Ron. Just do it. Um, what? What? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Well, I think Ron was actually supposed to die. I think he was supposed to die in like early imaginings of the series, but she was like, I think that was going to be way too mm-hmm. dark. And I remembered that this started off as a children's series <laughs> and I stopped that idea. Right Just like there. Ron instead of Cedric Diggory. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> instead Ron. of this character we knew only for a single book. <laughs> Rip Cedric. <laughs> Rest in peace, Robert Pattinson. Rest in peace. (laughs) He's doing fine. Rest in peace. (laughs) My favorite thing about Robert Pattinson is how he, like, no one hates the fact that Robert Pattinson was in the Twilight movies as much as Robert Pattinson. (laughs) And then there was also an interview that Anna Kendrick was giving where someone was asking her about, like, Oh, do you still talk to any of your co-stars from the Twilight movies? And she was like, I was in Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I forgot I was in Twilight. Um, if you have ever listened to the director's commentary on that first Twilight movie, it's like the director. I have. Yeah, like the director who got fired, like Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, and they hate everything. And yeah, they rip on the movie the, the whole best. time. It's the best. It's so funny. I love it. I love it. I want it. more like... commentaries like that. Of just the people that hated the movie they were in. <laughs> he made... Like he he makes fun of Edward's uh, pea coat, mm-hmm. and and there's like one scene where oh it's a scene where it's like say, uh, say it say it out loud vampire and what do vampires eat and then Robert Pattinson goes cheeseburgers <laughs> <laughs> like they just don't care at oh, all it's the so best. funny 
He was probably man, drunk. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I also remember him talking about like how they had to groom his eyebrows and stuff because there's one shot that they were lining up and they're like, oh, wow, your eyebrows, they need some work. And he was like, okay. Excuse me? <laughs> oh, man. Um, but this is not Twilight. This is Lord of the Rings. Thankfully. Yeah, go through that a chapter. Into time. Right? Can you imagine? <laughs> Thankfully, oh my God. this is Lord of the Rings and not Twilight. <laughs> right? Thank mercifully. I don't know. I think I I do always wonder like what am I gonna do when I'm done with Tolkien content? You'll never be done, um, right? I don't know. I don't know. I thought when I started this podcast, I don't know, nine months ago. That's not right. Seven months ago, sure. I, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be reading these books for five years. And then here I am less than a year into it. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be done reading the books a lot sooner than I thought. Well, how many um like ancillary books are there? There's like nine? Uh, there's more? Like, no, there's like more than that. There are, I think that there are 15 volumes to the history of Middle Earth. Oh, my God. I know. That's... Because there's like, there's the Silmarillion, which is at I least don't... like stories. And then... Unfinished Tales and Book of Lost Tales are also kind of stories, but some of them aren't really. Yeah, they're just like fragments. (laughs) And then there's just like 15 more books that are just not stories at all. It's just about how the books were written. And his notes. And his notes and stuff. Oh my gosh. That could could be cool. Yeah. To to learn his notes and and be like... Just very dense. Get some insight into what he was thinking. (laughs) Just real dense. Um, Yeah. Not that this isn't. I I can only imagine. (laughs) But anyway, so um, yeah, so it's at this point that I was like, okay, obviously this is not the Eye of Sauron. It's it's the Palantir and not an eyeball. I want to find it. Sorry. I w- the Pippin saying, I wish I had known all this before. I had no notion of what yeah, I was that- doing. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh, my. And Gandalf God. is yeah, like, so- yes, you did. You knew exactly what you were doing, <laughs> you little thief. Yeah. I knew, yeah, you knew you were behaving wrongly and foolishly. You told yourself so, though you did not listen. And then, yeah, and then Gandalf makes up some, oh yeah, so basically Gandalf is just talking about like, uh, this is the tool that Sauron has been using to control Saruman and has been using to manipulate. And he says, how long, I wonder, has he been constrained to come often to his glass for inspection and instruction? So he's basically just talking about like, yeah, this is a bad thing and it's very dangerous. And that's what prompts Pippin to say, I wish I had known yeah. this. Which I, I, I feel like, and Gandalf, explain, he explains in the next paragraph, but... That would have been important information to spread to the group of like, hey, guys, FYI, I think this this glass orb thing is pretty dangerous. So I'm going to keep it close to me. And please no one touch it because it's very dangerous. <laughs> if you touch Thank this, you. Sauron will see you. Well, he didn't know what it was when Pippin. Yeah, did. yeah. I think yeah. he was playing dumb. <laughs> really? I I I don't un- because it's Aragorn that's like oh obviously this is a palantir because I know everything and I'm Aragorn and because <laughs> in the books I'm perfect yes and Gandalf's just like oh man you're right like <laughs> <laughs> oh <shit>, fam <laughs> honestly um <laughs> but um yeah so Gandalf says. Uh, I did not tell all you this before because it is only by musing on all that has happened that I have at last understood, even as we ride together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then he also, uh, if I had spoken sooner, it would not have lessened your desire or made it easier to resist. Okay, so he's it, like, I get, 
I understand that he's only piecing everything together now, but I still feel like there was at least a part of him that was like, hmm, my suspicion is that this is not a good thing and that, oh, also maybe Pippin coming into contact with it could have an effect on him because my suspicion, like, go with your gut, man. Like... Use your wizard instincts or something here. Right. This is bad D&D group dynamics, Gandalf. Right? Gandalf. <laughs> we need open communication for this to work. I do love, uh, I do love just a little bit further down that same page, Pippin, I should like to know, and then Gandalf cuts him off. Mm-hmm. Mercy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I should like to know, Pippin began, Mercy, cried Gandalf, if the giving of information is to be the cure of your inquisitiveness, I shall spend all the rest of my days in answering you. What more do you want to know? And then I like this because Pippin kind of gets back at him, kind of like teases him back after all of these times that he's been made mm-hmm. fun of. He, and Pippin says, the names of all the stars and of all living things and the whole history of Middle Earth and over heaven and of the sundering seas. And then he says, of course, what less? But I am not in a hurry tonight. At the moment, I was just wondering about the black shadow. So I I like that moment of Pippin pulling Gandalf's Mm -hmm. leg of like, tell me everything now that you're going to answer my questions. (laughs) And see, we don't imagine that hobbits know a whole lot about the greater history of Middle Earth. But the fact that he uses the term sundering seas is itself a reference to a really big, important event from, like, prehistory. Oh. Maybe that's just the term that they, like, colloquially And they keep calling it that? Yeah. Yeah, but it, like, that name comes from, like, a big event in the Silmarillion. Oh. It's called the sundering seas for a reason. Interesting. Okay. So is he using, like, outdated terminology? No, it's it's possible that people just call it the sundering seas because... Maybe the hobbits don't know why, I guess. That's just what the men call it and, like, what people have called it around them. Oh, okay. But, like, the... He knows what it's called. Right. He doesn't know why. Right. But it's just it's just another reference Makes to Silmarillion sense. lore. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much assume anything that has a ca- that has a, a capital letter attached to it is, is a reference to Silmarillion lore. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty safe. <laughs> and so... Yeah, so he asks about the Nazgul, and he says that it's flying to Orthanc because Sauron sent it to go after Saruman, and obviously it's going to get there and realize what's happened. So they ha- time is of the essence mm-hmm. at this point. Oh yeah, but importantly, this messenger isn't the messenger that's going to be sent to get Pippin. It's one that would have had to been sent before just to check on Saruman. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm surprised that like... And maybe it does come into play or something. I wonder if there's more, there's, uh, there's got to be some like more to this because it's very specific that Pippin, he didn't say, oh, hi, I'm Pippin. He says, it says, who are you? And he says, a hobbit. And all that Sauron knows is that a hobbit is carrying the ring. So I'm surprised that like they didn't bring up that. It's, it's like they've completely forgotten about Frodo and Sam at this point. <laughs> Because there is zero mention of them, by the way, at this point. I think it's just this worry. And I can't remember. I think it's just this worry that Saruman has kind of figured out that a hobbit is carrying the ring or that a hobbit is involved. So the idea that he may have told Sauron this and now Sauron has seen a hobbit is troubling to Gandalf because he doesn't know what Saruman knows. They don't know that we know they know we know. And the fact that Sauron was amused by the idea that he spoke to a hobbit 
is troubling to Gandalf. Mm-hmm. Well, back in um, uh, back when Pippin was saying what he saw in his vision, um, Sauron says. We shall meet again soon, tell Saruman that this dainty is not for him. So is he talking about, like, Pippin? Or is he talking about the ring? Both? So, I again, Both? Gandalf... Yeah. I think Gandalf implies that um, had Sauron been... Had Sauron actually mean to question him? He says that had Sauron actually mean to question him, he would have told him everything anyway. Yeah. He was, he was lucky that Sauron didn't press him. But also that uh, he wants to probably take the take him back to Baradur to question him privately because he no longer trusts Saruman. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I uh, kind of got to, is that he's going, he's sending the Nazgul to go and retrieve the Hobbit so that he can do whatever he wants with the mm-hmm. Hobbit. Because um, I'm assuming at this point that he's thinking, oh, this is the Hobbit that has the ring. Yeah. Obviously, he's not thinking what? because the entire time, the the entire way up to this point in the books, everyone's like, "What are hobbits doing out here?" So, Sauron. I mean, oh my god, Sauron probably doesn't even know that there are multiple hobbits <laughs> out and about. He's probably just like, "Yeah, it's just the one that I have to worry about right now." Yeah, like, why would a hobbit ever leave the Shire? let alone more than one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just the one that I have to find. Hence the hence the confusion at the beginning of the book with the orcs taking Sam, uh, God, taking- Mary and Pippin. Uh, Mary and yeah. Pippin, yeah. Because they're like, oh, we're sent to get hobbits. We found two of them. Here we go. We got a 50-50 right? chance. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so they're, they're riding around and he points out places, some places that they've already been, like Helm's Deep. And then he also mentions the glittering caves. He says, do not ask me about them. Ask Gimli if you meet again. And for the first time, you may get an answer longer than you wish. <laughs> so I love that, that it's the continuity of Gimli's like obsession with the with the caves and stuff gandalf just like likes roasting his traveling companions yeah like, <laughs> oh yeah yeah Gimli talks too much about these stupid and yet, caves and yet gandalf is occasionally <laughs> the most long-winded of all of them yes yes yeah and that's like that's also what uh mary digs at him at the start of this chapter is he's like uh i just wanted to know if we were going to stop right? soon you didn't have to tell me our our five you didn't have to give me your five year plan. I just wanted to know where I was camping for Are we the gonna night. Eat soon? Like Gandalf. I'm a hobbit. I'm hungry and tired. Yeah. He's like, I I have very simple mm-hmm. needs. And he asked where we're going because he thought he was they he thought that they were gonna stop at Helm's Deep. And he says, To Minas Tirith before the seas of war surround it. And Gandalf says, It's leagues upon leagues away, so that's fun. He shouts for Shadowfax to run faster, and I also like that he says hope is in speed because now at this point the plan, their plan or their safety is dependent on them getting away or getting there as fast mm-hmm. as possible. And Pippin falls asleep in Gandalf's arms, and that's how this chapter uh, and the first half of Two Towers. I ends. love the visual <laughs> in the last uh, sentence of this chapter. The, as he fell slowly into sleep, Pippin had a strange feeling. He and Gandalf were still as stone, seated upon the statue of a running horse, while the world rolled away beneath his feet with a great noise of wind. Right. 
That's good. Just every now and then, Tolkien, yeah, every now and then, Tolkien Tolkien's pulls out just like this really <laughs> poetic feeling thing. Right. It's very lyrical. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a good visual, uh, well, not a visual, but um, like kind of a description of, because he's, he's falling asleep, of what it feels like to be half awake and half asleep and you're still kind of aware of your surroundings. Yeah, because he just kind of feels like he's flying along. Yeah. I did have one more thing right near the end here. Uh, right after he says leagues upon leagues, he says thrice as far as the dwellings of King Theoden, and they are more than a hundred miles east from here, as the messengers of Mordor fly. So... That's 300 miles. So, well, he, he says more than a hundred miles, and then thrice as far would be 300 miles, more than 300 miles. So maybe closer to four, because he says more than 100 miles, and usually people use that, like, would say, like, more than 100 if it's, like, significantly more, enough to matter. So, you know, it's probably, like, 400 miles. Uh, And then he says that they're going to make it in two days. Well, I thought they were going to Edoras. Isn't that, um, maybe that's what it's it's saying, is that there'll be an Edoras in two days. Um, Wait. um... Well, it says, and in two days, hence, two days thence you shall see the purple shadow of Mount Minduluin, and the walls of the Tower of Denethor, white in the morning. Oh, yeah. That's fast. So they're moving. Yeah. And we know they're stopping for the night each time. Because he says they're going to stop at Edoras for the night. They're going to find some hole somewhere in the in the, yeah. the, the realm around Edoras. Yeah. I mean, if, if Tolkien is going to put a, a timeline on how fast they're traveling, I would rather him, like... Highball it than lowball it because we've seen him drag out journeys. Yes. Uh, so I'd rather them. I'd rather us be like, oh, that seems unusually fast, rather than that seems unusually slow. So and I, I uh, before we started recording, like when I was looking at this, I was just like, well, how fast does a horse okay, go? Okay, wait. So if he wants to get to Edoras by dawn, that's. Uh, more than miles, that's like 100. more than a hundred miles in like six hours on horseback. Yeah, is that like so? Right, because the the <laughs> fastest a horse runs is like fifty five, yeah. and they cannot do that for very long. No, so Shadowfax is just insanely fast for a horse because he's able to maintain yeah. a, this. He's able to maintain a speed of like at least sixty miles an hour to be able to do this in two days from Edoras yeah. to Minas Tirith. Yeah, he's he's insane. <laughs> he's the he's, lord of all horses. He's shadow facts. Where does one yeah. of the Miras? Um. Yeah, I le- also like when he's bragging about shadow facts. He says he's running now as fast as the swiftest horse could gallop, but that is not fast for him. So. The speed that they are going isn't even the fastest he can go. And it's faster than any other horse in Middle Earth. Shadow effects is ridiculous. Yeah. So he's just... uh, This is the uh, Barry Allen of horses. I don't even know. You've never... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's insane. But anyway, yeah. So this this chapter ends, or it ended, and I was like, okay, I guess this is Gandalf and Pippin's adventure now? I just immediately had several like thoughts and questions. Uh, I was like, so what are Aragorn and the rest of them doing? What's their plan? Are they going to meet Gandalf later? Are they doing their own thing? Did did I miss something where Gandalf was like, oh, go here? Because I know Théoden's going back to Helm's Deep with some of his men. 
And then he leaves the rest of his men for Aragorn and crew. Well, it says in this chapter they're going to Helm's Deep and then they're going to Dunharrow, which is a place you haven't been yet, I don't think, in the story. Uh, I don't think so yet. I was like, I I, I need to know what's happening with Aragorn and Legolas. Where are they going? (laughs) Are we going to meet up with them later? What's happening? I don't want to be separated. And wherever Legolas is going, Gimli will follow. Yeah. And I was like, also, you've separated Merry and Pippin. Mm -hmm. This does not sit well with the universe. (laughs) And, And then I just wrote, well... Dot, dot, dot. Time for the Frodo and Sam mm-hmm. section now. And I guess I'm going to learn to like Sam and Frodo by the end of this book. Yeah, it's funny because we, uh, when I picked up the book to read the chapter to do this, I didn't, I did not remember where this, like what this, what this part of the story was because it's been too long since I've read it. And it opens up with all of these events and everything that happens in this chapter is something that we like recently discussed on Lord of the Rings Minute because it's in the Return of the King movie. Oh. So we just like recently talked about the movie version of weird. all these events. Yeah. Oh. So it cool. just weird but how also, it lined up. I mean, that way. I'm glad that the timing yeah. worked out. <laughs> yeah, that worked out, but it's but yeah, it's weird how they chose to like put certain things in some movies that are in the book. So the biggest one was that um, Boromir dies at the end of Fellowship, the movie, but he doesn't die until the beginning of Two Towers. Yeah, it's in the first chapter of Two Towers, right? Yeah. It's not, (laughs) it's like the first page of (laughs) Two Towers. (laughs) I mean. Which I was laughing about because I... I oh I think my le- I will say my like least favorite character I think is actually Boromir. Um I just like to rag on him, <laughs> but I like joked all the time be- or I joked at the very start when I was reading this. I was like, "Oh, the departure of Boromir, he's going to do something dramatic and he's going to leave and I don't know, storm out." And then like I get to the bottom of the page and it was like, Aragorn found him covered with arrows and dying. And I was like, oh, oh, it means. Surrounded by the bodies of like 60 orcs that he killed. He's dead. (laughs) I was like, his, his departure is his, his death. (laughs) The departure of his, his soul from his body. Shuffled off this mortal coil. Is what it meant. Yeah. So I. That's so funny. (laughs) Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, so it's interesting, it'll be interesting for me to, like, line up to be like, oh, this thing was in Two Towers, but they didn't talk about it, or they didn't address it until Return yeah. of the King, or, or there whatever, There is actually, because- um, there's, like, a big thing, like, an event that is gonna happen in book four, that I remember watching the movie, and I was just like, where is this? Like, or did they just not include this? And like, the like way- how, do, how are they not going to do this? Yeah, and the way that they like split it up was like <laughs> stressing me out because I was just like, what? But they uh- yeah, because the the Two Towers <laughs> movie is almost entirely arriving in Rohan through the Battle of Helm's Deep and then stuff with the Ents. But then, but then yes. all the wrap up is saved for the beginning of Return of the King. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I've been uh, I've been told that uh, Helm's Deep is. Like one of the biggest battles in cinematic history, and it's funny because the chapter Helm's Deep is less than fifteen pages, and the actual battle itself is like five pages yep. or eight pages, and it's the because when I was reading it, I was like, oh, it's just a battle. Okay, <laughs> it's just a battle. It's a battle with like a crap ton of orcs, but it's a battle. And then my guest was like, no, 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 no. This is like the biggest battle 
ever to be created for for the screen. It's like two hours long. And then they topped it in Return <laughs> of the King. Like they just yeah. did even more. I think Helm's Deep. Oh, Helm's geez, Deep is I'm like so excited. Easily over an hour long. Easily. We yeah we spent we spent at least. I don't know if the battle itself is from the from the orc blowing the war horn well, don't, don't, until the end of the battle. Yeah. I don't think it's an hour. I I feel it felt like an hour. But if you, with all the <laughs> all the lead up stuff, I think it, it's it's easily over an hour. Yeah. From them arriving at oh, Helm's Deep I to totally them leaving Helm's it. Deep is easily over an hour. Well, that's what's the interesting part about the movies, and that's why like I'm not as concerned of like. Oh no, they totally messed up by putting Boromir's death in Fellowship instead of Two Towers is because the way that you can follow, there are so many different people and perspectives to mm-hmm. follow in these books and movies. And it's it's definitely a lot easier to be able to tell right. the story in that way where you can't, in a movie, you are able to jump around between these perspectives and yeah. it's in a way that makes sense from like a storytelling perspective and visually um, you're able to do that where you can't do that in a book or maybe if you do it in a book, it won't be as good or it'll be confusing. Um, so it it's not going to surprise me or anything if I when I'm watching the movies when that happens, as long as it makes sense within the story framework and, you know, it's about, you know, maybe it's just better for, you know, chronologically speaking. Yeah, Two Towers is the one that definitely is the most different structurally from its book. Yeah, that one I I totally get. And that one makes a lot of sense to me because if the movie had been structured the way that the book is structured, it's like, all right, we got an hour and a half A plus content with my favorite characters, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli. Ooh, look at that. Gandalf is back. Who would have thought? Amazing (laughs) battle. Helm's Deep. Ten hours long. Perfect. And then the last half of the movie is just (laughs) Sam and Frodo. And I I guess Gollum shows up too. (laughs) Like, I would have... That's a horrible movie. Oh, yeah. As laid out, you, you can't possibly film movies for the story as it's written. It would have been yeah. terrible. <laughs> um well, that brings us to the end of the episode. What would you guys like to plug or share with the audience? Well, if uh I mean, if you're listening to this and you like are familiar with the movies, um again, we're from Lord of the Rings minute and we've been covering them minute by minute for the past while. We're what, 90 minutes into Return of the King? Yep. Um, so we have a whole, like, two and a half hours more to go. Um, but you can find us on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Um, we're from the website duelinggenre.com. And if you're intrigued by the, um, the movies by minutes format, um, there's like 10 other podcasts for different movies on our site alone. Um, so you can check those out. It's like, we're not all involved, but we guessed on a lot of them. So. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of other non-movies by minutes podcasts yeah. on the network yeah. too. Um, and you can follow, uh, our podcast account on Twitter. We're at L-O-T-R minute. Um, and I, we have a Facebook page too, but eh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you guys want to share where people can follow you guys personally on social media you don't have to but i don't really do the social media thing i'm um at dark hearted rose on twitter if you like memes and weird 
out of context stuff. I don't know. Um. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a great combination of things to find on the internet. So I'm in. <laughs> and then also, what is a form of media? It could be a TV show, movie, book, anything that you would recommend to people if they already enjoy Lord of the Rings? Ooh, because Lord of the Rings is like such a, it's like such a cornerstone of the genre, but it's also so different from everything else. Yeah, because most people have like taken definite influence from Lord of the Rings, but have all kind of tried to do their own thing. Yeah. It, sometimes really drastically. Um, right now, one of the things I'm thinking of is uh, if you just like high fantasy in general, Dragon Prince deserves your attention. Ooh, yeah. Dragon Prince is good. Is that um It's a is Netflix, that the Netflix series? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I I need to watch it cuz I I feel like I added that to my queue when it originally was put on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I don't even know, like a year ago or so now. Cuz I think all of us out there are looking for a void to fill in our hearts that Avatar The Last Airbender left. It's actually the, it's created by the head writer of Avatar. Yeah, that's what, yeah. that's what yeah. I saw. So that's why I think I was like, I was like, oh, I should watch this so I can, I can fill that desire and need. Yeah. It takes life. a little bit to adjust to the animation style, but by season two, it just, it becomes fluid enough that you just don't even really notice anymore. Awesome. Well, I'm going to have, I know I asked, I like asking this for like people who are listening who maybe like Lord of the Rings is, isn't their favorite, Mm -hmm. but they want to get more invested. But I'm like, oh, that sounds great for me. I'm going to (laughs) go watch that now. As far as another. I'm like, I'm looking for some new stuff to watch on Netflix. As far as another fantasy book, uh, I would recommend Mistborn, which is written by Brandon Sanderson. Oh, I love him. Uh, That one's really good. It's got a really fun mentor character. And uh, a really fun lady protagonist, so. I haven't read anything in a while. I need to get on that. Um, That's okay. You don't have yeah. to give a book. <laughs> the two recommendations are more than enough. I'm waiting for someone to, like, give me a really random, like, oh, I heard this song in the radio that was inspired by Lord of the Rings. And I'll be like, oh, great. There is cool. actually, there's actually a out. whole then, subgenre like, of Scandinavian metal um, that is, like, like fantasy metal, like directly inspired by Tolkien. And then a whole bunch of other stuff. Like fantasy metal is oh, a right. thing. Like there's Scandinavian a, metal. There's, I think there's I don't a, remember the a name metal of the band, band. named Marth. Probably. There's a band where like they have a whole concept album that's just stuff about Lord of the Rings. And Christopher Lee did metal singing. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. In the movies. <laughs> that's uh, amazing. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. I'm going to have to look at that's extremely interesting. <laughs> I think Christopher Lee did like a metal album. Scandinavian I think metal. Christopher Lee did a metal album about like uh, a king of England. What? That's awesome. <laughs> Honestly, anything that these like really distinguished actors. Like, it doesn't surprise, it never surprises me when these, like, super distinguished actors are, like, they also have these really interesting but niche side mm-hmm. hobbies where, like, it like it wouldn't surprise me at all if I learned that, like, Ian McKellen was, like, a, com- was, like, a speed crocheter <laughs> or something. I mean, people you just know? have hobbies, right? I'd yeah. be like, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> All right, cool. So now is the part where I have to do a bunch of my credits, and I apologize for you having to sit You're there fine. for a second. We understand. So. Yeah, we have copy to read, too. <laughs> okay, great. 
That's what I'm talking about is a proud member of WBNE. To learn more about WBNE and shows on the network, go to WBNE.org. Speaking of shows on the network, have you tried listening to Sincerely Us? It's a casual musical theater lover fans podcast. Sure. It's with my favorite Broadway gal pals, Becca and Eni. And you can learn more about that now. Dear listener, today's going to be a good day, and here's why. Because today, you're about to find your new favorite theater podcast. I'm Becca. And I'm Eni, and we're the host of Sincerely Us, a podcast for the casual musical theater fan. And when we say casual, we mean casual. We don't know every show in existence, and we don't pretend to. Our show is mostly about how perfect Jeremy Jordan is. And what we would do if we met Lin-Manuel Miranda on the street. I would be unable to move or form words. This is a show for theater nerds, by theater nerds. Every Wednesday on WBNE. Sincerely, us. You're going to have to get used to that shtick. (laughs) We use it every single episode. The cover art is by Graphite, aka Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Tolkien About Pod. There's also a Facebook group that will always be linked in the description because I haven't I haven't gotten a URL that is easy to say yet. Um, you can find me on Twitter at mcwatsup and Instagram at mcturndownforwat. And you can also sub... Do you like this? <laughs> That's so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I finally changed... Um, the majority of my Twitter hood, I don't know, uh, my at name was MC4 or MCWatt416 because 416 is my birthday. And mm-hmm. I don't know. And so I was like, I want to change it to something that's fun. And then yeah. I... A couple weeks ago, I, I was trying out some new stuff. And, or like testing out new stuff and names and whatnot. And I found out that what's up with like seven <laughs> U's was available. And I was like, can I take this? And Tyler, one of the producers for the show was like, please don't do that. That's so <laughs> and funny. I was like, and then, and then it just occurred to me a couple weeks ago. I was like, oh, I don't know if I've tried MC WhatsApp. So that worked. Anyway. <laughs> um, Anywho, you can support the podcast on Patreon and become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod. The sponsor for this week's episode is Mats Feroli, I think is how to say your last name. But then again, we went, everyone in Discord went so long saying your name wrong. So what do I know? Thank you so much for being a sponsor of the podcast. It means so much to me. And with all that being said, Cassandra and Norman, do you have any final parting words for the audience? Um, I'm I'm actually really sad that, well, I don't know, you might be through with Return of the King before we're done with Return of the King. So we would be interested to, like, listen to your, like, perspective as you, like, watch the movies and stuff, because it's, like, we always theorize on the podcast, like, oh... Like, I wonder if anyone, like, has just read, like, or, I don't know, like, we were talking about this off mic, and... It's like, what would it be like for someone to kind of listen to the show, having not seen Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah, or have, like, no greater Mm -hmm. context for everything, so this was really fun. Um, Thank you for having us on. I I very much stopped myself from spoiling a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I just, I know, it can be hard, it can be hard. So, depending on how quickly you get through... Um, book four. Uh, Ooh, we might yeah. be able to have you on for stuff that happens 
a little over halfway through Return of the King. If I you're have interested. to look at my schedule, but we'll. we'll I chat. know we're gonna. Ha- I know we're gonna have to like. I, I want to figure something out, but at the same time, I want to go into the movies really because, fr- like, it's a it like it's so rare nowadays that you go into something with like a blank slate. Yes, and well, I mean, technically, I won't be going into the movies with a blank slate because I'll have read the books in great detail mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point, but. It, I am excited to like watch the movies for the first time, and even though I've seen Fellowship, I remember nothing about it. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm really interested to like watch it and be like, "So this this is what these these things are all about, huh?" Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'm really excited for they're taking the Hobbits to Isengard. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the Hobbits. The Hobbits. Uh, the really Hobbits, excited the Hobbits. for that. <laughs> Oh, it's great, it's great. Um, And that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>